Good morning. <laughs> and welcome to Have You Built Your Ark Yet? Sunday. Um, we're just delighted to see you today. If you're new to Berrien Center Bible Church, we welcome you especially. And after the service, we ask that you find someone wearing a lanyard out in the foyer area. They have a gift for you, and they'll welcome you even better. Hopefully, you feel very much at home today. I have a friend with me today. We didn't practice this part. <laughs> Who are you? My name is Charlie. Do you have a last name? I. Okay. <laughs> and how old are you? Seven. Yes, he's seven. And my name is Jill Shoup, and I have seven in my age. That's all you need to know. <laughs> any rate, um, excited about this next announcement that I just heard this morning. In the near future, the nursery is going to be reopening. Isn't that awesome? Yes, we're, we're delighted about that. But that does not happen unless we have people who are willing to help. So volunteers are needed. If you volunteered for the nursery in the past, you'll be receiving an email. If you have not been part of the nursery before and would like to be, we ask that you contact either Helen Jones or Angela Johnson. They'd be delighted to have you help. So please prayerfully consider that chance to serve the Lord. Any rate, we've been looking forward to this Sunday for a long time. We're calling it Mission Mindfulness Sunday. You see, the missions team here at Berrien Center Bible Church um, meets monthly, and we do a lot of things. We deal with a budget. Uh, we have missionaries come and visit. We pray for them. We've worked on the application process. But we've realized that we've kind of been lacking in communicating with you, the congregation. For example, did you know that we have just about 30 missionaries that Berrien Center Bible Church supports? And if you take a moment and think about how many of those 30 you can name, that's what we want to improve. We want you to be aware of our missionaries. So Sarah Johnson has worked very hard on updating a missions booklet that will be passed out here during the service, one per family, although if you would like to have extra, they'll be available in the foyer in the area that has the missionary emphasis. Anyway, um, there's all kinds of information in here. It has the pictures of the families. It tells where they serve. It tells what they do. There's even an email address. And our goal in providing you with this is that you will take the opportunity to pray for our missionaries. And one might ask, why should we pray for our missionaries? Well, I, I kind of Googled that to find out some other ideas that I had not thought about. And this information came from Dr. Will Bruce. The first reason why we should pray for our missionaries is the missionary is invading enemy territory. Now by that, we don't mean that it's necessarily a hostile nation where they are, although some of our missionaries serve in very hostile areas. We're talking about the fact that Satan is alive and well and roaming this earth and doing everything he can to thwart the spread of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's one mission, or one reason to pray. Another reason is that the missionary faces many hardships. Can you imagine going to a foreign country and they don't speak your language? That's happened to me several times. 
And at first I was rather indignant. How dare they speak a language that I don't understand? <laughs> and a missionary has to get beyond that and realize that they have to be very effective communicators in a foreign language. Um, the Greens in Thailand have been facing that challenge to learn the language so they can build relationships and so they can spread the good news of Jesus Christ. Another definite difference is in custom and culture, um, knowing how to dress, um, the food that you eat that is extremely different from what we have, the climate, especially in the equator areas, is so hot and so humid, even more humid than Michigan today. Uh, the feelings that maybe they're not being as effective as they should be. Homesickness, loneliness, particularly around the holidays, I'm guessing. And then, of course, there's that element of danger that many of them have to confront. And Charlie, I have a little story about that. Did you know that your great aunt Sue was a missionary in Liberia for 25 years? No. No, she was. She was. And she was a missionary during the time that there were civil wars going on in Liberia. Um, the president of the country was being challenged by someone who wanted to overtake the country. And there was a civil war going on. During that period of time, there were like 250,000 people killed. And there was my sister serving as a missionary. There was one Sunday morning, I was getting ready for church, and I happened to have on a Chicago news station on the television. And they said something to the effect that after the commercial, they were going to give us updated information about Liberia. And I thought, well, great, I am going to find my remote. Sometimes that's a challenge. And at that time, these were VCRs, so I had to find a videotape, got that all ready to go, and started taping this news presentation about Liberia. And it was quite dramatic, Charlie, because there were two rows of soldiers lined up with these huge rifles. And running between those soldiers were missionaries walking very rapidly to an evacuation helicopter. Can you imagine that? The soldiers were there to make sure that the missionaries weren't shot as they were evacuating. And they got on those kind of helicopters that have the open sides. That gives me the willies, Charlie, thinking about being in a helicopter and there's not a door protecting me from the outside. <laughs> any rate, I kept watching this and all of a sudden, my eyes focused on this one lady who was walking. And my thought was, that lady sure walks like my sister. Would you believe that was my sister? That God in his great wisdom, had me watch that program, had me have a videotape ready, and my sister was being evacuated. So our family knew that my sister was safe, and we were reminded what a great God we have. God meets all of our needs, doesn't he? So hopefully all these things prompt us to pray for our missionaries. So... We would love for you and your family to pray for them, to find some kind of way to maybe include all 30 during the course of the week, that would be awesome. Or if you wanna focus on some of the ones, that's fine as well. But it's not just the adults we want to include in this initiative, we also want to include the children. So right after this introduction today, we're going to go into children's church and we're going to talk about the same thing with the children. The children are going to be getting this card, 
It gives them information about the mission that we're highlighting today, and you're going to find out more about in just a minute. And it tells them where the mission is. It tells them prayer requests. It also has a key verse that that missionary truly treasures. And parents, would you please make sure, the best you can, that these are kept in a good place around the house. You can use these things to pray about together as a family. And then on, on a semi-regular basis, we're going to be including new missionaries to add to these cards. We want our children to be aware of our missionaries as well. So today, our, our mission focus is on India Gospel League. It is truly an awesome, awesome mission. They do fabulous work in India. And again, thinking about that danger issue, did you know that India is one of the top 10 most dangerous places for a Christian to be? That's truth. The India Gospel League serves in, in a very dangerous place. We need to pray for their safety. But on top of that right now, they are having a terrible COVID crisis. They've had over 30 million cases of COVID with over 394,000 deaths. And that's a conservative estimate. The country doesn't want to be totally honest about those numbers because it just doesn't look good internationally, does it? And they have so many deaths that they, they can't even bury the people who've died. They have mass cremations to take care of all the bodies. And I complained about wearing a mask. Isn't that convicting? any rate, the India Gospel League sends pastors out to these villages. They care for the people both spiritually by telling them the good news of Jesus Christ, but they also care for them by providing food and other life necessities. So it would be awesome to really pray for these people, to hold them up to the Lord. The prayers of the righteous availeth much. And I don't care whether you're a 94-year-old great-grandma or whether you're a seven-year-old boy. The Lord asks and wants us to pray for these people. And I, I pray that you will do that. Let's pray right now. Father God, I just praise you for the heritage that this church has had over the years of, of missionary support. I praise you, Lord, that you've lifted up people from our congregation who have been sensitive to your call and have, have obeyed it. We thank you for the other missionaries that we have the privilege of supporting. We ask that you protect them, you take care of them. We pray especially for India Gospel League, Lord, as they are in such dangerous and treacherous situations, Lord. Would you take care of them? Would you bless them? Would you protect them? Pray that you would help us to be faithful, not only in supporting them financially, but especially in supporting them in prayer. We pray, Lord, that we would leave today a changed people. In your precious name, amen. amen. Well, today we're going to finish our walk along the Jesus way, at least talking about it. Hopefully that walk, will, we'll keep walking it throughout the rest of this life and on into eternity. It's the way we were designed to, the, to walk. It's the way that you were made to follow. And I hope in the last 10 weeks you've found... Uh, some inspiration, maybe even some conviction and mobilization to start walking on that way and to no longer believe that your own way is the direction you should head. There is a far better way that God has set before us. And when we walk it, we find, as some have said, the life that is truly life. Um, no longer 
in the shadows, no longer sort of stumbling along, finding our own way through things. Uh, instead, we know where we're going. We know what our purpose is. We head that direction. Jesus offers us that in every aspect of our lives. If only we would listen to him. So today we're going to look at the last and, and maybe the comprehensively, like kind of the, the overarching step that we all take on the Jesus way uh, that keeps us going the right direction. But first I want to ask you about this flower. What is that? A daffodil, all right? We've all seen those. I think they kind of came and went already this season. I, probably not a whole lot left out there. Um, but uh, there's actually another name for this flower uh, or the name of the sort of the family of flowers this comes from. And it goes all the way back to Greek mythology days. Any gurus in here know that? The Narcissus flower. Okay, Narcissus family of flowers. Named after this guy, Narcissus, um, who, as Greek mythology would have it, he fell in love with his own reflection in the water, and he died there looking at himself, and daffodils grew in the place where he died, and thus the Narcissus flowers, that's why they were called that. So I don't know if I totally buy the story, uh, but there I can kind of resonate with what poor Narcissus is dealing with, because I've met people who are kind of like that, and maybe a time or two, not any time recently, I've been like that, you know, where you kind of get wrapped up in yourself. You get wrapped up in your own life, and, and everything that you're thinking about and everything that you're doing and everything you're believing sort of points back at you. Now, you might recognize, recognize Narcissus's name. Uh, what, what word do we use today in his legacy, in his honor? Narcissist or narcissism, which is exactly what that picture represents, right? It's the person who just can't stop looking at himself or herself, and we look at that person and go, man, that's narcissistic to be that way. In fact, you could say narcissism is the excessive admiration of one's own self, which when you look at it on the outside, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, it's probably one of the silliest things that we humans do, and yet... We all would look in the mirror and very occasionally we might do exactly that. Uh, maybe not your physical appearance, appearance or maybe so. Maybe you spend lots of time trying to make your physical appearance great and then you're narcissistic about that. Or maybe it's not about your physical appearance, maybe it's about your opinions, your attitudes, your, your orientation toward life, that everything points back at you all the time. Now, what's sad for a narcissist, although I don't really feel bad for people who are narcissists, they don't feel bad for themselves either, um, is what's sad is they don't know it's happening. So they're filled with self-love, self-focus, they're self-centered, they're self-absorbed, and every person that walks by their life, they kind of look and go, oh man, that person is totally into themselves. That person is so selfish, that person's so arrogant, that person's a narcissist, but the narcissist doesn't know that because their viewpoint on life is so self-absorbed that they lose self-awareness, ironically, and they don't realize that that's what their whole life has become. Now, in our lives, I think it's possible, whether you're clinically a narcissist or not, for this problem to rear its ugly head or to reflect itself back in our mirror. Would you agree with that? that all of us have the seeds of this inside ourselves because all of us, if not tempered by some other force, become selfish. We're born selfish, and if we grow in selfishness, 
then someone might look at us and say, you're narcissistic, but in our own hearts, our own lives, if life is all about us, then we not only miss the purpose of our own lives, but we really miss what the whole world is all about. Okay, so if you can spot narcissism in your mirror, then you'll really like, or maybe you won't, you won't like at all, what Jesus has to say um, in today's uh, context, all right? But some of the things that might be evidence that these seeds are in you. If you're yearning for approval or acceptance or admiration from others, if you reject criticism and shift blame to others, and, and again, this is something that any one of us can be tempted to do, right? That someone criticizes you or you feel like they're sort of attacking you, blood pressure rises, immediately wait. It's not my fault, it's so-and-so's fault. It's society's fault, it's someone else's fault. It's never me, it's never that I could just learn something. Uh, showcasing greatness and ignoring weakness, caring how others feel or just how they make me feel. See, a narcissist loses empathy and rather than actually thinking about you, all they're really thinking about is themselves. And then when they act like they're thinking about you, it's, it's somehow pointed back to them. It's like, if, if you're sad, that might reflect bad on me, so I need to make you happy. Like, I mean, it gets really manipulative and crazy the further into this you go. Um, frustrated when others win or receive praise. Engage in grand fantasies of self-importance. See, here's what's sad about doing this message. I have lots of great illustrations of like, hey, I remember when a person did that, but you would know who the people are. So you're gonna have to imagine your own examples of all these things. Um, and if, if, if you think, man, maybe he's talking about me, I am. So there you go, okay? <laughs> Engage in, uh, and then believe that I deserve special treatment or that the rules don't apply to me. And, and wow, we see this everywhere, don't we? We see it in our own mirrors. We also see it in the you know, leaders of society. We can see it in just, just about every place you look. If you're, if you're kind of tuned into this, you start realizing, whoa, it's all over the place. What's scary is it's also inside of you and it's inside of me. The Jesus way is different. This is what our way taken to its logical extreme. This is, I mean, if you get on the train of selfishness, this is the station it will take you to. Uh, where increasingly your whole life revolves around you. And we understand that when we live that way, it, 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 it not only kind of messes us up, but it ruins the very purpose that God has for us. Now, if you go further, uh, if you were to talk to a psychiatrist or a psychologist and actually get diagnosed, uh, for people who take this to the extreme, this is what they would say, narcissistic personality disorder, an inflated sense of self-importance, to the, degree, to the degree of being unable to handle any criticism, having strong feelings of entitlement, disregarding the feelings and needs of others. And you know what was really sad? If you, if you kind of like look this up on Healthline or Mayo Clinic or whatever, you know they say this is a, this is a condition that is treatable through talk therapy, and, but it's not curable, which is really interesting to think about. Um, it's interesting to think about that as a Christian say, do we think that this condition is curable? Like, is there any hope for a, for a person who gets completely wrapped up in themselves? Is there any way out of that black hole? Well, the Jesus way is the only path that can get you out. Uh, so whether you just have the seeds of narcissism, as any of us would, or whether you've gone down this road for a long time, um, I believe there's hope. But that hope is going to require us getting out of our own way, getting off of our own train, and following Jesus instead. So before we see how Jesus 
asks us to deal with this issue, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3 in the Bible, and we're going to see kind of a scary prophecy about what the last days will be like. And the reason it's scary is not because of exactly what's written, but because of what is going on around us, and then we read what's written. You go, wow. So here we go. 2 Timothy 3, 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. So, if that's the world we're living in, if that's when you turn on the news or you go to school or you hang out at work and you see that happening, what should you do? What can any of us do? Well, that's why we're glad there's a different way. There's a different way to live, and it can start in your heart and the attitude that you maintain and the things that you choose to do and care about. And when you take some steps on the Jesus way, you can put some distance between you and the narcissistic world that we're living in and and start to see life as it really is rather than just gazing into your own reflection. All right, so just thinking about this, we start the Jesus way when we repent, turning from our way so that we can follow his example in all things. And we know, as we've talked about for 10 weeks now, this is a daily choice we have to make. Uh, That you become a Christian, that's your first choice to say, all right, Lord, I'll go your way instead of my way. But then every day we'll be tempted to kind of go our own direction. We say, no, I want to follow Jesus instead of myself. And today, our principle for the day is that the way of Jesus, in fact, is free from selfishness and full of love. Love is what can defeat selfishness in our hearts. Love is what the true narcissistic personality doesn't get to experience, but what you can if you follow Jesus. So the Jesus way of life reflects servant-hearted love for others, putting others first, caring about their best interest, aiming to see them succeed. Now Jesus modeled this for us, and so when we walk the Jesus way, we're not just looking for the principle, we're saying, well, show me the example, show me what Jesus did, what did he say to me in this situation? So for that, turn over to John chapter 13. We're going to read just a few words from Jesus that he spoke at the Last Supper. This context is when Jesus kind of shocks his disciples by coming in with a towel and a basin full of water, and he washes their feet the way that in that culture a servant would. And the disciples immediately are repulsed by that. Hold on, you're the rabbi, you're the master. You shouldn't be doing this, Lord. Like, there's, there are people to do this. That is a servant's role. That is not you. You're the leader. And Jesus turns the tables. Jesus teaches them that the leader in God's kingdom, is the one who serves, not the one who is served. 
So let's look at what Jesus said as he kind of summarized that principle in verse 33. He wrote, Dear children, I will be with you only a little longer. And as I told the Jewish leaders, you will search for me, but you can't come where I'm going. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. As the world operates on such a different paradigm that if you really love one another, people are going to point at you and go, oh, you're one of Jesus' followers. You must be. Because that kind of love isn't natural to humanity. That kind of love isn't what we experience out in our other life, out in the world. That love is special. That love is divine. He said, if you love one another the way that I'm loving you, the whole world will know you're my disciples. So here's what's fun about walking on the Jesus way. There's not going to be any question whether you're still on your own way or Jesus' way when you decide against selfishness and toward love. Because every step you take is going to be different, different than what you would have expected yourself to do, different certainly than what the world expects you to do because it literally is the opposite direction of the way the world would walk and the way that any of us would walk if left to ourselves, if just living in our own wisdom. And then one other aside to this as we as we try to understand the whole picture here. Today, it's interesting, if you read in sort of business literature, a lot is being written about what they call leadership immunity, uh, or the tendency for narcissistic people to rise in the ranks of governments, corporations, even churches. You'll, you'll look at a leader who's on TV, and you'll think, how did that person become a leader when obviously their character is so terrible? Like, what happened? How, how do liars and selfish people end up in charge of everything? Well, part of it is because when you're narcissistic, you promote yourself, and so the, the sort of the skill set that comes with narcissism is self-promotion, and sadly, a lot of people fall for that. Uh, but leadership immunity is, a, is an idea that as people rise in the ranks of things, they start to see that the rules don't exactly apply to them. And so they think, hey, I can get away with, like, I'll, I'll make the policy, but I don't have to follow the policy because I'm the leader. Like the, and, and so they'll, they'll trick themselves into this idea that they're, some sort of, they're on sort of a special, you know, a higher playing field than other people, uh, that they have immunity from the rules and principles and norms that everyone else has to live by. Jesus directly addressed that as well. All right, if you look over in Luke 22, just thinking about how, how Jesus sort of portrayed leadership himself and how he taught his disciples to lead. In Luke 22, he explains that the world has a certain way of thinking about who's in charge and who's most important. His way is different. Hey, Luke 22, look to verse 23. The disciples began to ask each other which of them would ever do such a thing, speaking about Judas and betrayal. Then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. And Jesus told them, in this world, the kings and the great men lord it over their people, and yet they're called friends of the people. See, Jesus kind of shows the political game there, where the king or whoever's in charge of the situation, like they, they basically become a big boss to the whole world. 
And, and people don't really believe it, but they look up to the big boss and they go, oh, wow, that's a friend of the people. And why are they doing that? Well, they have to kind of suck up to the guy. They have to, they have to show that, that they're on the team. But, but it's this whole big game of like, here's this master telling everyone else what to do. Jesus said, among you, it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. I am among you as one who serves. The Jesus way is so different. It's shockingly different than the way that the world would typically work. So if you say, I want to walk the way Jesus did, then you have to start by giving up your own delusions of grandeur, your own sense of pride, your own orientation towards selfishness, and you say, instead, I'm here to serve. Instead, I'll treat Jesus as my master and I'll love and serve everyone else. Now, making this kind of practical for us today, selfishness, as we all see in other people so easily, but not so much in ourselves, selfishness is, it's kind of like the biggest glowing sign of emotional immaturity that a person could possibly turn on, right? Because when you look at a selfish person from a distance, you go, what's wrong with that guy? Uh, that person, they, 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 don't, they, they obviously haven't grown up. Um, and really, you could say, I mean, maturity, you know, you start as a baby and you're 100% selfish in a very cute and innocent way, just wanting your own way. And as you grow, if you can let that go and not have life be about you, then you're growing up. If you can't let that go and life stays being all about you, then really you don't mature. And that's the, so emotional immaturity is just selfishness. Uh, it also gives you a lack of perspective on life. So you're like the guy gazing into the pond and you, you don't see what's actually happening in the world because you're so wrapped up in yourself. Lack of meaningful purpose, need for God's grace and rescue uh, because that's the, the worst place to be is when you fall in love with yourself, when you fall in love with your own way, when you really think you're wise in your own eyes. Remember, Proverbs says there's more hope for fools than for the person who thinks they're wise in their own eyes. Once you fall into the trap of a lifestyle of selfishness, you need God's grace and rescue to pull you out uh, because you're in a black hole at that point that will keep pulling you in. So the Jesus way, the other way is love. Ephesians 5 says, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you're his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And so we look at Jesus and we say, the way that he has loved is the way that I want to love. Okay, so I just want to give you, as we wrap up here, a couple quick principles that maybe some questions you could ask, not to, not to decide if you're a narcissist or not, because I don't want you to go out with that label. That's, I don't even know if it's really healthy to say that, because what I would say, narcissism is selfishness, which is, in fact, what Jesus came to save us from. Uh, and so if you see those seeds in your life, it's time to repent, it's time to walk a new way. You say, Jesus, I, instead I want to follow you instead of looking at myself. So here's how we begin that new life, that life of love. First of all, how has Jesus loved me? So we reflect on that. Say, well, how has he loved me? With, with patience, with kindness, with unconditional favor. He's loved me sacrificially. He's, he, he put me, ahead. even when I was 
angry and rebellious, he still loved me? Like you start reflecting on how greatly you have been loved and recognize that's your example for how to love other people. Okay, then beginning the life of love, the second question is, how am I loving the people closest to me? So one thing that I think even will happen sometimes with people who are narcissistic is they will put on a great show of love and generosity to people on the outside of their life, but they treat their family terribly. They, they, they're abusive, they're angry, they're prideful behind the scenes, but then as soon as other people are engaged, wow, they're like the nicest person ever. That, that's another trend. So, so before you even worry about how much love you're showing out in the world, you say, to the people closest to me, am I loving them the way that Jesus has loved me? Start right there. Start right there in your family. Start there, right there with your spouse, with your mom, your dad, your parents, your, uh, your kids. You love them the way that Jesus loved you, and you're on the road of the Jesus way. If you miss that step, this next step won't mean anything. And that is, how, can I, how am I loving people beyond my inner circle? And so a life filled with the love of Jesus is going to radiate out into hospitality and generosity and care for others. And, and instead of just always being on kind of your own agenda, your own mission every day, you'll have this heart for other people where you'll be thinking, how can I serve? How can I help? What can I do to bless others? Because suddenly life is about so much more than you. So being free from selfishness means that your life can add up to more than just you. You can have a bigger, a real, real joy, a bigger vision, a sense of lasting purpose in your life instead of being caught up uh, and slowed down and saddened by looking down at your own reflection. Okay, so instead of doing that, we want to look up to Jesus. His way is the best way for us. And to showcase that, I want to offer you one final verse as a this week. Here it is. It's in Hebrews 1. And this is after the author of Hebrews has given us a whole lineup of stories of people of great faith who did great things for God. And he said this, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. So you want to walk on the Jesus way? You want to not let your life be sidetracked by selfishness? Then you keep your eyes on Jesus. He's the one that you gaze at um, in your life. And when you keep your eyes on him and off of yourself, not only will you walk out of narcissism and pride and all of that, uh, but you'll find the real joy and purpose of your life. All right, so here's the question to consider today as we pray. Lord, every step along this Jesus way has been challenging to us as we think about leaving behind our greed, our lust, our pride, our anger, and instead embracing your way of life filled with love and peace and joy. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to take this very important, maybe the most important step on the Jesus way today, that we would take our eyes off of ourselves, worrying about our image, worrying about our advancement, worrying about what other people think, worrying about trying to prove anything to anyone. Instead, Lord, we pray that you would help us as we look up to you to just follow you 
to put one foot in front of the other, our first step in following you could be this right here today. And so I pray, Lord, for every one of us. Help us to be aware, self-aware, when, uh, when these seeds of selfishness are in our hearts when they start to grow. Help us to root those out and to have eyes only for you, your kingdom, and your purpose. Thank you, Lord, for making us with such a great mission and purpose in mind, so much more to our lives than what's inside of us right now, uh, that you've created us for love. You've created us for eternity. We want to embrace that destiny and walk along your way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.